What are the signs and symptoms of disordered eating? That's what we're talking about today. And I've got Recovered Life contributor Haven Jobeck joining us today to discuss. How you doing, Haven? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to discuss this really important topic. I am so glad that you're here. Listen, I know that you deal and coach a lot in the recovery space with disordered eating. You've been through your whole battle with disordered eating yourself, and we've done some episodes on that. And I was so thrilled to have you on today to discuss this because it's such an important topic. You know, I know that uh, when people see the headline of, of this show, they might say, you know, hey, do I have some of those signs and symptoms? But they might not realize that this is such a huge issue in the United States. 9% of the U.S. population, 28.8 million, almost 30 million Americans uh, will say that they'll have an eating disorder in their lifetime. That's a huge number, Avon. That is a huge number. And to be diagnosed with an eating disorder, that means that it's taken up a lot of your life, a lot of pain, a lot of time, a lot of distraction. To have an eating disorder is a very painful diagnosis. It is. And it is a very big mental health issue. It is just as serious uh, as somebody being addicted to alcohol or drugs. I mean, uh, you know, shockingly, there's over 10,000 deaths a year just in the United States alone, with people that have eating disorders, eating disorders, and, you know, are have these symptoms and signs of disordered eating. You know, I got to ask you right off the bat, Haven, because people are going to ask, what, what are some of those signs? What are some of those symptoms that somebody could look at and say, you know what, my relationship with food and eating maybe isn't totally right. So I want to say that the biggest thing is not just about the signs or what you're doing, but how is it making you feel? Are you feeling controlled by food? Is it affecting the happiness in your life? Is it controlling what you can and cannot do? If you eat a piece of pie, like totally normal, a piece of pie is just a piece of pie. But then you have to go on to uh, exercise for the next two hours to burn it off. And that exercise is controlling you. There's the obvious um like anorexia, where you're only allowed a certain amount of calories, there's ice chewing, there's um, binging and purging, and there's just binging. And all of these things cause so much pain. The difference between having an eating disorder and disordered eating is the frequency. And so you might have disordered eating by maybe purging once a week. But if you're continuing to purge, and now it's become a few months that you're doing this, now you have an eating disorder. And so looking at that, like, as a nation, we all kind of binge, you know, especially around the holidays. Like, what what, what are you supposed to be doing on Thanksgiving, right? It's binging and totally normal. But when it becomes every single day or a couple of times a week for months, now we're looking at a binge disorder instead of just disordered eating. I like that you said this. You're talking about feelings. You're not talking necessarily about amounts or the different types of foods. You're talking about feelings. And I think that is something that is the most misunderstood when you're dealing with addictions and mental health disorders is that it's not the amount necessarily. It's, it's what's going on in that thought process behind. The amount is just kind of a byproduct of what's actually going on with the thinking, right? Absolutely. I did want to say for my own personal journey about disordered eating, I started off with eating one thing a day when I was 12, and it started off as a diet you know, and it was just a diet. And then it became that I could not eat anything except for one thing a day. And that's when it became a disorder is that I could only eat one thing a day. And then when I was 15, after I got sober, 
I still had all of these feelings and I didn't know how to deal with feelings. And so I started purging and I would purge one time a day. And it seemed like it was manageable because it was intentional and it was just one time a day. I wasn't super skinny. And that's a big misconception is that you have to be obese or you have to be super skinny in order to have disordered eating. And that's just not true. The majority of people are an average size body. And again, it's that chaos that uh, food or the food behavior is creating. Other problems I've had around food are taking diet pills or chewing ice or not being allowed to eat after a certain amount of calories. And now calorie counting is a very normal diet. But when it becomes to that obsessive point where I can't chew a piece of gum without wondering how it's going to affect my calorie count for that day, now I've crossed the line into a calorie counting diet or macros or whatever you want to call it into being obsessive and compulsive. And it runs my life. Yeah, you know, you've said the D word here a few times, dieting, right? And I know that everybody is obsessed with dieting. They have their own diet plan, dieting. And obviously, you know, dieting can be useful. Obviously, if you're trying to maybe have some sort of health uh, result, or maybe you're trying to cut down on sugar or trying to cut down on carbohydrates or something, it obviously is kind of normal. Like you're talking about calorie counting. But what is this effect and this obsession with dieting and disordered eating? Because there is not a really healthy relationship with a lot of people that are entangled with dieting in disordered eating, correct? Correct. So the problem with dieting is that a large amount of people that do this dance with dieting are going to develop an eating disorder. And I know you and I were talking offline at uh, having an eating disorder is the number one killer of any um, mental illness. Uh, number one killer. And uh, that is staggering. You know, you'd think that it might be schizophrenia or like even someone diagnosed with depression, but it's people diagnosed with eating disorders that have the number one um, mortality rate. And that was shocking to me. And so here we are as a diet nation and you use the word normal. Dieting is normal. And I'm like, no, it's been normalized right? That um, we are supposed to put our body through the rigors of no fat or no carbs or high protein. Uh, my husband right now is doing like no carbs. His uh, friend is doing the all meat diet, which just sounds terrifying to me. Um, I know other people that won't eat past a certain time, or they're only allowed to have whatever fits on a small plate, you know, and all of these things. And wanting to be healthy is not the same thing as wanting to diet. And so if we look at our food and we just say, like for me personally, I really promote eating whole foods. And so eat as much fruit as you want, like go have some oatmeal or a nice piece of like healthy bread, not white bread, but you know, uh, maybe like Ezekiel or something like that, healthy food and listen to your body and that there is a combination. Like I don't believe in intuitive eating because there's a lot of things out there that are being promoted as food that are not food. Uh, Oreos, I don't care. They're not food. It is made in the lab, you know, and it is meant to be seductive and it is meant to want you to eat more. And of course you're going to binge on it. And that is what it's designed to do. But if you are yeah. craving something sweet, like a date or something, like enjoy that. And there is a way to be a healthy eater without dieting, without going into disordered eating. Yeah, I think this is, I think you tapped on something that's really interesting with the mental health disorder part of this, you know. Uh, you know, shockingly, 26% of people with eating disorders attempt suicide. 
You know, uh, 30% of people dealing with eating disorders have experienced sexual abuse. These are huge numbers, right? These are huge numbers. Uh, people that are involved in this, and, and maybe you could speak to this because you had your own, you know, you had your own battle with disordered eating. This is torture. This is just like any other uh, addiction, drugs, and alcohol, where people are trapped in it and just feel they can't get out. I know that I've had my dance with drugs and I've had my dance with an eating disorder and they are different things. And when it comes to the eating disorder, it is more acceptable to try to fight the food than it is to be a heroin addict. And so when I tell someone like, oh no, I'm not eating today. I'm trying to lose some weight. People go, oh, good job. Um, when it comes to bulimia, it's this idea that feelings are so hard that I would rather do anything than feel a feeling. And so for me, I would eat until my stomach hurt because the physical pain was preferable over the emotional pain that I didn't know how to process. When I'm over a toilet trying to throw up, that activity as well as the pain is preferable over the feelings. And so I've come from sexual abuse also, and it is such a difficult um, interwoven, like confusing thing to, uh, to recover from. And the food is just there. And the food became my friend and it became my therapist. And it was a socially acceptable way to, to walk through life until it consumed my life. And all I'm doing is I'm eating and I'm purging or I'm eating and I'm binging. And then society judges me for being overweight and it feels like I'm drowning. And then I start restricting and going into a different type of disordered eating and I'm applauded for it. But what people don't know is that there is so much pain inside Whenever I am acting out in any kind of disordered eating, whether it is the binging, the purging, or the restricting, and the only real way out of it is the same thing, you know, is like to, to figure out how to untangle the mess of emotions that um, were just too big for me at the time that they happened so that I can finally have a healthy relationship with myself and with food. You know, I remember when I first got sober from alcohol, um, when early college, I remember, uh, taking a, a class and they were talking about the impact of advertisers and about how, you know, alcohol companies were all over sports events and everything. And I never really paid much attention to that until after I got sober. And I remember, I think it was a football or basketball game that I watched. And I was like, Oh my gosh, every other commercial is alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. Right. And that was in the nineties. So it's, it's so much tamer compared to what, what, what it was like then. Right. But when you look at people pushing disordered eating on TV, on social media, the food, you know, I call it food porn. It's like Pinterest. It's like nonstop overeating. The chips, the nut, you know, everything, all these things that are unhealthy for you woven into the lifestyle. If you're trapped in this, if somebody's listening to this Haven and, and they've identified, man, what Haven's talking about, I have, right? I, I am a disordered e eater. How do you how do you get out of this? Because it seems like it's so interwoven into our society. I think the first thing is to just know that where you're at is perfect and that we will be able to move forward and that you can get better. Uh, there's little things like having an accountability buddy, you know, uh, going to a party, you know, just like an alcoholic and say, like, don't let me drink. And so you go to a party and say like, okay, if I'm going to eat, like just stick around with me for 30 minutes so that I don't go purge um, or only let me have like one plate of food 
Because if I have more, I'm going to get stuck in my head about it, you know, and asking for help, because I don't think that as human beings, we're meant to go through any of this journey alone. But when we are, when the eating disorder is activated, it feels very lonely. Um, There doesn't have to be like, you don't have to say goodbye to your favorite foods in order to recover. Um, All you have to do, you know, is start having a healthy relationship with yourself and it'll start reflecting in the food choices that you make. Um, There are so many different ways to to get better, but to know that you're not alone and that most people at some time in their life are going to have had this battle, that it's rare that somebody has not had their own dance with disordered eating and that most people that seek relief can find it. So there is help out there is what Haven is saying. There is help out there. Haven, you know, I think that, you know, this has been such a great segment because I, I, it really opened my eyes to how, how much of a mental health crisis this is. You know, I want you to kind of, you know, I'd love to end this episode here is that you, you talked about there is a way out, but I think for people that are seeing, they're saying, you know what, I can live with this. I'm going to put this off. That's really not smart, right? This is a very dangerous thing. You have to take this seriously. Absolutely. It's going to affect your emotions. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect your health. And so, okay, you deserve better than okay. Like, let's elevate it. And so if somebody works with me, the first thing we do is work out a food plan that is manageable. You know, something that you actually want to do instead of all of these diets that we download and go, okay, I'll try it. You know, there is a food plan that just sounds amazing to each and every person with the flexibility of changing your mind. And once I start looking at the food and going like, that sounds like something I can do, like that's the first edge of hope. And just that relief that comes with going, I can do this. And it's not going to be as hard as I think. Mm, So great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Evan. Thank you so much for having me.